and welcome to this latest edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. Right close, Jeff Mosher here, and Jeff, tough series in New York, but overall, you still got to feel good about this Phillies team. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's just get right off. I, I'm not, you know, they lost two out of three for, to the Mets. Um, it's disappointing because when they won game one and beat Scherzer, knowing that you had DeGrom in game two, you're hoping to get game three especially with your guy on the hill there. And Wheeler did not have a great game in general. The bats weren't there and they lose two out of three, but I'm not disappointed at all. Um, I mean, of course I would, you would have loved them to win. I just, I'm not down on them because of it. And I'm not going to be the guy that says they're only beating the crap out of the Marlins and the nationals, but then lost two out of three to the Mets. They got the job done against the Marlins and the nationals. And they've been ever since the sweep loss to the Cubs. Um, they have been great. Uh, especially given all the health issues that they've had and Bryce Harper not being back, right? Um, they played way better defense, especially, uh, especially Alec Bohm. We'll get into that. So you lose two out of three. It happens. Um, to me, it's, it's a little bump in the road, still in a good spot for the wild card, not down on them. Looking forward to Harper at some point coming back. And then, if, you know, they'll get the Mets again over the weekend, but you've got what three games against the Reds uh, away and then three at home or four at home four and three at home. more against the Pirates. So you got, again, if they continue to do against the Reds and the Pirates, it's all to me, it's about stockpiling as many wins as possible. Yeah. You want to be able to beat the Mets and Braves, Frank, we know that, but Hey, look, I was proud. They lost, they got killed in their last bullpen game against the Braves, right? Came back the next day, one, three to one. And then that kind of set them sail. So they've, they've been resilient ever since being swept by the Cubs and to me, I just looked at it as, you know, a tough bump in the road. First two games against the Mets were really good games. Could have gone either way, one and one. And then, of course, just a, a bad overall game um, in the finale against the Mets. Yeah, the finale was not their best game. But really, the first two, you could argue, they were really good games. Yes. Obviously, they they eke out just enough to win a Scherzer game, which in itself is pretty awesome. Sure. And they were they were not that far off from from matching DeGrom. It's, it's a shame, you know, uh, Pitching performance by Nola, uh, pitching performance by Suarez in that series, fantastic. Of course, Zach Wheeler did not have his best start of the year, but by any means, just got roughed up in that what fourth inning. Yeah. But but you gotta feel good about what Nola and what Suarez gave you, and you know what the, 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 the these games that they eke out uh, or, or or just fall, you know, you gotta feel like if they had Bryce Harper, if they had Schwarber. Mm-hmm. That game that they lost to Degrom might have gone the other way, right? Sure. I mean, so sure. so you're hoping that you get to full strength eventually, and that if if you're all you're at full strength by the time you get to the playoffs, you feel a lot better about the team's chances, right? I mean, from what I got from the series, yes, Sunday Sunday wasn't a good wasn't a good game for the team, right? But the other two kind of shows they can hang with the Mets. Yeah. Well, first of all. Scherzer, they faced three times this year. Um, they beat him twice. In the game they lost, they actually, I think that's the game that they, they tagged him for five runs on five innings. I think Schwarber <laughs> and Harper took him deep. And then they just, the, those were the days of the Joe Girardi bullpen. So they wound up blowing that game, uh, <laughs> late, if I recall, but two and one against Scherzer so far. I'll take that any day of the week. Uh, and, you know, during the streak here, I mean, they beat Alcantara, Alcantara, I should say. Uh, I think for the second time this year, or at least in, for the second time in a game he started 
right? They won three games that he started. So that was the third start against him. I think they managed to win all three. Not that all of them were losses for Alcantara. Right. Look at me doing Alcantara. Uh, I, you. <laughs> I you know who I keep thinking of? They used Izzy. to have that guy, Izzy Alcantara. Yes. In the, Isn't he, he the was dude in the, who kicked? The catcher, uh, after yeah. he got hit by a ball in the minors, yeah, yeah. So I will forever keep doing that, especially cause he, he spent one year at double A Reading. Uh, <laughs> he was on loan from the Rays or something, and he ends up making the, the majors I remember with, the, that. with the Red Sox later. But anyway. Right. But anyway, um, Al- the Contra, is, yeah, they played well against Arguably the best player in baseball. They're able to eke out wins against Alcantara. So this is, this, this is still overall, if you look at the whole body of work, I think this is very promising. This is the best I've felt about the team really all year. Uh, and I, I had some really serious concerns after they got swept by the Cubs coming out of the all-star break with Harper still out, Segura not back yet. I don't think at that point and just, you know, how that could happen and what that meant about the direction of the team. And they answered the bell, man. They came back and they've had a really, really solid, um, late July and August there. So I, I just can't let this one series against the Mets derail them. Um, I, you know, again, me being optimistic now, what's going to happen? The next two weeks are going to wind up losing three or four to the Pirates and the, and the Reds. I, no, I, I don't see it happening. I think the starting pitching has been really good. The bullpen has been so much better than the first half of the season. And Frank, you hit it on the head. Second half Ranger Suarez is huge, huge to have another arm who can pitch like that and keep you in games. And, you know, last year, it seemed like that was like the aberration of all aberrations. Cause, you know, he, he got off to a little bit of a rough start and then he took that little DL, IL stint. And then since then, he's been pretty darn good. Did that little rest help him, you know, get what was ailing him straight? And then he's back to, uh, I want to say vintage Ranger, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but we're well, seeing probably. Ranger from, from last year. Yeah, I mean, probably because, remember, he, he got off to a slow start in camp. Didn't he have COVID or didn't he have trouble getting into camp? Yeah, last, so, so, yeah, so, so to start 2020, he had a positive COVID test. And what happened was because you didn't really know that you test positive on a PCR test for a while, even after you're not contagious, right. he was stuck in his hotel room. So, <laughs> but this year, didn't he also get to camp late this year for, re- or wasn't he, didn't he have an he injury was, in camp yeah, this he was, year? I, well, they kind of it kind of worked itself out because of the lockout. So he would have been a little behind right. uh, because of trying to get into the country with visa issues. Yeah, he was stuck <laughs> at a Columbia hotel. Although there he was able to actually play baseball with somebody. Right, right. But when you're not an overpowering pitcher, when you're not throwing 98 to 100 and you rely more on precision and fine-tuning and location like he does, I think it might take a little bit longer to get yourself – completely ready to be dominant for the season. And it just, yeah, and, and also Frank, I don't think it would have, I think we even mentioned this in our, you know, spring training podcast that it would be impossible for Rangers Suarez to duplicate what he did last year, because I think his ERA was like sub two or something crazy like that. He was going to come back to earth a little bit, but he could still be a very good pitcher and come back to earth, which is what you're seeing here in the second half. So check this out. The Phillies have won his last five starts and seven of his last eight. That'll do. Yeah, and here's the big thing. I think that goes hand-in-hand hand with what we talked about, uh, what they're doing in the field. He produces a lot of ground balls. He keeps guys off off r- rhythm, right, with his uh with his stuff. Alec Baum's played really good at third base. I know every once in a while he'll still make an error, but he is making the non-routine play by far 
way more, way better than he has ever done. He looks like a third baseman right now. You know, whether that's his future or not, I don't know. But if you were to watch him during the last two or three weeks and making some of the plays he makes on, say, like the slow grounders or the tricky hops, I was at the game. <laughs> I was at one of the few games that they lost. Again, I went to the Marlins, the third game in the three-game series against the Marlins. Oh, I was there. How did, how did I not really talk play? to you? <laughs> You were there? Oh, I didn't there. know it was my wife's birthday. We all went as a family. That's oh, I, well, I wouldn't have interrupted pictures. that anyway. But, but anyway, I went, <laughs> I went, I, I did a double header. I went with a friend to the game and then to the Allison Chains concert. Uh, oh, nice with, job. With Breaking Benjamin and Bush. So yeah, we just had a long fun day out. So, Sounds so I, I wasn't there in any professional capacity. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, just to see firsthand, Bo makes some really good plays on some, on some tough grounders. Was is really encouraging, and and I think that's why Ranger's been able to go out there and pitch well and do what he does best because he's a guy who elicits elicits a lot of ground balls. All the difference in the world, you know. Speaking of Alec Bohm, I I I thought for sure they would have had to get him off third base, even as he was hitting this year. Mm-hmm. I think I think long term maybe he's not a third baseman, but you might be okay next year keeping him there for a little bit and see where this goes. Uh, you definitely have the rest of this year to see him continue to develop and make progress. And of course you'll have the off season to make that decision. Obviously a lot of it will factor into, and not that we want to get into the off season now, but a, you know, what becomes of Reese Hoskins B, you know, do they add an infielder? And if so, at what position you're probably looking at shortstop, unless you want to move Bryson Stott there, or if you want to keep Stott at second, you know, in any way, Depends on what happens with Segura also and what you do at third base. And, and you have options. That's a nice thing. I mean, yep. I, I think, I think the best part about letting Didi go, and I was surprised again, I, I think I said last time, I was surprised that they would make that move and let Didi go. I thought that his glove would have kept him there and he wouldn't start every day, but, mm-hmm. but it, it, it clearly opened up shortstop for Bryson Stott to at least get this look and yes. I'll, Bryson Stott, he's a big part of the success. Yeah, you know, leadoff uh, hitter extraordinaire. Even jumping off to, 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 to the leadoff spot and getting a leadoff double against Max Scherzer, that really was the difference in that game, let's Absolutely. be honest. Uh, you know, but you know that he could probably hold his own at shortstop, or if, if the person that they can acquire is a shortstop instead of a second baseman, because again, Gene Segura will be a free agent. That gives you some options there. And and I think they're mixing yep. in Nick Maton a lot just to see if he's got something in the tank for them too. Sure. Look, they have a lot of actually decent infield. Not all of them are starters, but I mean, you know, and Camargo is still there at AAA. Um, but I'll say that let me, let me, I wanted to do this for a little bit and I think the time is right. I'm going to give my Mia culpa right now because when Joe Girardi got fired, I said it was the right thing to do to fire. I get under, I understand firing Joe Girardi, but it was not going to fix the long-term problems that have plagued the organization and one, one switch will not make a big difference. And I honestly think it it has, and I think it's traceable to the manager. I don't believe in my heart of hearts that Girardi would have endorsed getting rid of Didi Gregorius, which was the right move. Uh, I don't know that Girardi would have had the formula for the bullpen that Thompson has had. I think obviously those pitchers are pitching better, but I think there's a formula to it now that we talked about that needed to be established roles that I didn't see happening under Girardi and the kids playing obviously is a huge deal. Stott playing is, is a big deal. I don't think he would have made Stott a leadoff hitter at any time. I, I think Rob Thompson has his finger on the pulse of this club better than Joe Girardi did. And that has made a world of a difference and I didn't think it would. So I apologize for the 
incorrect an analysis on that from a month or so ago. Well, ex- ex- excellent point you make there. You know, that, that, look at Brian Snicker with the Braves. He was the same kind of guy, baseball lifer, coached at every level. Mm-hmm. Big time assistant, never got the shot. All of a sudden he gets a shot in an interim role and man, he thrives. So, you know, really good article from about a week ago in the Philadelphia Inquirer by Scott Lauber that really did break down what happens in that bullpen. And, you know, the kind of the criticism was is, oh, relievers need to know their roles. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? The role doesn't need to be, well, you pitch the seventh every day or you pitch the eighth every day or you pitch the ninth every day. It can be you match up against these guys. That's who you're going to face. And you know what? It sounds like from from what Scott Lauber wrote is that. They have a really good, well-communicated, That's I think that's the key word there, well-communicated plan mm-hmm. that every reliever before each series knows who he, who they match up against in that order, and they kind of know when it's going to be their turn, right? So it's not the same as, as back in the day when Brad Lidge would come out for the ninth, no matter who was, who was in the lineup. Right. Sir Anthony is going to face the guys that they picked ahead of time that he's going to match up nicely against. And you can go get ready for your role, whether you're that or you're Brad Hand with, with his guys, they match up and the players in the bullpen seem to have embraced this. hundred percent. And I, I, I was even sort of, I felt that he did have to come in and, and give them roles. Now I was, I had articulated that I think guys need to understand that you're, you know, that you're the seventh guy, you're the eighth guy or the ninth guy. And clearly, I was wrong about that because, as you mentioned, he's given them more situational roles. But I, I was a big proponent of under these guys have to know what they are and what their job is in order for them to be able to do their job effectively. And he has communicated that. That was a good story by Scott. And it's not how I envisioned it. Although I do think we are sort of morphing into a Sir Anthony Dominguez winds up being your closer, although you'll see him in other high leverage situations. But it, 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 it feels like it's eventually trending that way. But as I always say, sometimes you have to crawl before you walk. And right now they're crawling correctly. You know, they are learning their techniques here. And he's got the right guy for the right situation, and they know it. But really, though, I mean, Sir Anthony's role is he's the relief face. I mean, I think that is his role now. Like They don't have to call him the closer to face the the best guys in the the opposing lineup. Now, uh, David Robertson's first game, it worked perfectly, right? Because Mm -hmm. you had Sir Anthony – Ready in the eighth took, it faced, uh, faced Acuna. I think that was the idea. Um, I think he got bailed out by Jose Alvarado behind him. Uh, but then David Robertson comes in, slams the door on the ninth, mm-hmm. uh, p- pitching the guys that they thought he matched up well against. So right. that, that, that worked like a charm. It's part of the reason why I'm really, you know, not phased by losing two out of three to the Mets. It was a good series. It just came up short with one bad game, but I, I think they have a good recipe here. With their pitching staff, with their bullpen, I'm not the biggest Noah Syndergaard fan in the world, but do I think he can be here and be an effective fourth starter? Absolutely, fourth or fifth, whatever you want to call it. Sure, fine. You know that, that's good, and maybe he'll get some a little bit more life back in his pitches eventually. He's he's a different pitcher now than than when he was with the Mets, or at least he's maybe it's just because he's still working his way back, Frank, from the surgery. I don't know. He, he throws a little, seems to throw a little more junk than. Than he was when he was uh, with the Mets. It's not like he's like Thor Light, <laughs> but um, he's he's effective enough as your fourth or fifth to give you the innings before you can hand it over to the bullpen. Now the offense, 
it needs heart back. There, there, there are just some games where they don't hit. You'll see in their losses, like 13-1 to the Braves, 6 nothing to the Mets. Even some of their wins, they're just, they're, they're relying more on pitching and bullpen. And then every once in a while, they'll, you'll get that seven or eight run outburst. But I, I, I don't think that they can reach their consistency until Harper comes back into this lineup. One, one more thought on the bullpen obviously. before we, before we uh, move, really dig into the offense, but, but Corey Knebel, uh exited with an injury. Yeah. Need to see what's up with that. Now that's a that's a big loss. So uh in the month of July and August combined, mm-hmm. he was scored upon once. Wow. Now it was that big blow up on yeah. August second. Mm-hmm. But maybe that was the beginning of something being wrong. Um you know, but uh, wasn't he hurt earlier too? wasn't there something he was battling earlier? Uh you know when he was <laughs> doing really poorly, everybody thought he was injured, right? It wasn't an IL stint worthy thing, but uh right. but uh but yeah, so I mean Throughout the baseball season, you're going to be banged up one way or another, but, but stay tuned to that. I mean, I think, I think they can weather him being out, uh, with Connor Brogdon still there and, and, you know, David Robertson kind of coming into the scene. Uh, we saw less Connor Brogdon. I think he could pick up a little bit of where, De- uh, Corey Canabo left off, but, but that, that, that could be a, uh, could be a tough one. We'll see what's up with that. But yeah, he was not scored upon in the month of July. At all. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was, that, that was a big part of the Phillies bullpen success, even though if, even if Corey Knebel wasn't sort of the, the focal point of that. But yeah. So, but back to this offense for a second. So, uh, Bryce Harper is going to take batting practice today as of us recording this on Monday. So that's a really, really good sign. And the, and the report from Matt Gilmore, the athletic is that he could go on a rehab assignment soon. So, uh, he could be back in the lineup. One thing they did determine though is he's not going to try to play right field. Uh, he was maintaining that throwing program with the idea that maybe he could re- regain his spot in right field. Instead, he will just be a DH, and Tommy John's surgery could loom for the offseason. Yeah, that's not great. You were hoping that he would be able to get back into the field and open some things up. It's kind of going to create a little bit of a cluster again, but, I mean, we you know they had to, they had to deal with it all year long, basically. Yeah, so his his sub Derek Hall basically is the sub against right hand pitching. Uh Hall is hitless against lefties. Uh although much much fewer appearances. I thought the other day, actually that Marlins loss that we were at, uh I was surprised that JT Romuto didn't replace him as a pinch hitter um two at a bat sooner than he actually did. In fact I even tweeted about it mm-hmm. when I saw they were bringing the lefty and I thought, okay, well here's your time for, for JT to be the DH the rest of the day. Right. Uh, he got one, one at bat against the lefty the second time they went JT. Uh, but he's basically, you know, does uh, not to take anything away from Derek Hall. I think, uh, I think he's kind of showing that he, he might have a spot in the major leagues. Uh, but I think he's kind of a platoon type player at this point. And I, you saw the Braves do that last year, right? On the way to a World Series where they were platooning. Was it, um, Oh, why can't I think about it now? It was, uh, it was Eddie Rosario and somebody else that, didn't they have a, a left-hander that they were putting out there? Uh, Jack outfield? Peterson. Jo- J- yeah, Jock Peterson. Thank you. Um, the Mets are doing it right now and it's working for them. They don't have a great amount of power in their offense outside of, uh, Alonzo, but they went and got Vogel back, who's got a lot of power to him and they play him against righties and they'll play rough against lefties. Right, a Darren Ruff, so who'll give him a little pop too. Who would have thought, by the way, that Darren Ruff would be in the major leagues, let alone a trade deadline acquisition to a contending team? <laughs> Crazy, um, right? All these years later, but good, good for him. Always liked him. Yeah, 
Definitely. So the best teams you always see in the playoffs uh, are able to pull guys off the bench who can give you pop from either, you know, one side of the plate or the other. You know, Matt Stairs, obviously, for the World Series team was like that. So I, that's what I envision Derek Hall. And I think there you go. You would match up nicely with, with, with a rough for somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if the Phillies, but, uh, but I think he's kind of showing that he, he, he can have a spot. Now, one thing I would say about Hall, now I've never seen him do it. So, uh, but Derek Hall does have some experience in the outfield, uh, in the minor leagues. Hmm. The Phillies have shown that they don't necessarily even want to play him at first base much, uh, but let alone the outfield. But I'm, but I'm interested in, um, seeing if they would at least see if they can, uh, suffer through him. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and left, I mean, let's face it. They already got, they already have, uh, Kyle Schwarber out in left field every day. You know, maybe there's an opportunity somewhere to, uh, to throw him uh, in the outfield at some point. Yeah. And and on the flip side, the one thing they're kind of missing when you evaluate them as a legit postseason team is probably a really good right-handed bat off the bench. Yeah, I mean, right now Edmundo Sosa is that he's not much of a hitter. No. Uh so but uh he's got the glove. Um but uh, that's what they wanted, right? So uh, so I mean, yeah, Matt Matt Matt, Ver- Matt Vierling is mm-hmm. kind of at that point again, which we said before. You know, if you play him too much, he gets a little overexposed. I think right. you're finding that that's the case with him right now. But definitely, definitely someone you want on your roster because you can mm-hmm. plug him in wherever. So, in fact, uh, you know, even though they were down Schwarber the last couple of days, you saw the difference that his defense made right. in left field. So, you know, when you have an outfield of Vierling and, and Marsh and and even if Castellanos isn't right, you feel a lot better about that that defense. So, um, but he's yeah, like, but yeah, he's like Ben Zobrist light. Like he just doesn't <laughs> hit like Ben Zobrist, but he can play every position like Ben Zobrist. <laughs> Good, good comparison. So, but, but you're right. Yeah. They, they need that. They need that sort of bench bat. Um, but Harper will assu- assume the DH role, which, which means then, um, you know, the Phillies can't play with the DH spot against uh, lefties like they, they were. Um, means Castellanos is locked in and right. Schwarber's locked in and left. But, well, you're not, again, as we said, we're not worried about Bohm anymore, but Bohm, Bohm got some, uh, DH opportunities, uh, during that time, giving mm-hmm. third base to, to someone like like Sosa, uh, for example, or or Jairo Munoz, uh, uh, you know, before that. Uh, but but speaking of which, we, what have you thought of Marsh and, and Sosa so far in their limited action? Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, they have good gloves. I mean, I think Marsh obviously helps them stabilize center field. It's weird. Do, do you think there's some sort of coincidence or not to the addition of Brandon Marsh? And ever since then, it seems like Castellanos has played a little bit better in right field. Like more instinctual. I know he had a terrible throw home uh, on Sunday, but well, I mean it's not that it was terrible. It just doesn't have much of an arm. But in general, he's he's played the the sort of the line drive to right or in the gap a little bit better lately. And then didn't he have a um, he threw somebody out second, didn't he? Uh, which I remember who? I can't. I thought he made a good play throwing somebody out somewhere uh, against either the Marlins or 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 uh, before that. But it, it just seems like he, he's his play has picked up a little bit in right field. I'm okay with him being there. I mean, I, he's okay. I'm not saying I, okay. <laughs> I, I think he'll like set the world on fire, but, but I can, I can deal with, deal with him there. I tend to like him. I actually like his defense better than Schwarber's personally, but you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, but, but yeah, but Marsh, yeah, definitely, definitely has got the smooth glove. Hasn't hit just yet with the Phillies. He's, he's around this, he batted 226 for the Angels, 222 for the Phillies so far. Um, but, but, 
of course, he got off to a little bit of a slow start. He's finally, mm-hmm. uh, finally starting to come around. So really interested in seeing that, uh, that bat. So far, he's got 10 games with the Phillies. So that's, that's, uh, a lot remains to be seen. And then Mundo Sosa, you know, they, I think he's kind of like the safety net at, at, I think they got him because they see him as a long-term safety net in the infield. You know, they, I think they want to add somebody, uh, mm-hmm. to replace, uh, you know, the, uh, middle infield of, of Segura and, and Gregorius. Of course, Didi already, already has moved on. Uh, but, but at least, you know, it's kind of like when the Phillies knew they needed a star player and they ended up with Harper, but they signed McCutcheon ahead of time just in case. Right. You know, I, I wonder if this was a just in case, you know, uh, Stott doesn't work out. At least you could bet this guy ninth and play him at shortstop every day and you yeah. get some good defense. Yeah, no, that would make a lot of sense. I mean, uh, cause he's certainly not going to, you know, sit there and be your, your, your bat, your power off the bench or anything like that. And he was known for his glove. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens with him. But as a, as a whole, since the trade deadline, does, does it feel like a more well-rounded roster to you? Hey man, like I said, I'm in. Uh, once I, I saw that they, and <laughs> I swear in baseball things change so quickly. I'm afraid to make this sort of declaration, but you know, they lost badly to the Braves 13 to one. Then they came back and won three to one. Thought that was a really good way to, you know, especially after such a lousy game they had. And then to fire off all those wins against the Nationals and Marlins, which you're supposed to do. But how many times in the past have we talked about these type of teams keeping the Phillies from making the playoffs? Because they couldn't beat the Marlins. They couldn't beat the Orioles. They couldn't beat some other bad teams that they were playing. The Nationals haven't been this bad up until recently. But now, you know, they're flying through and they're beating them. And they've got a lot of them left on the schedule this month with the Reds, like, what, seven times? The Pirates times. three more times than the Diamondbacks after that. And they're not a good team either. So, you know, do I expect them to win nine out of every 10 games against a bad team? No, but as long as they're taking care of business, they're in the driver's seat to maintain where they are in the wild card spot. Now let's talk about that for a quick second. So really the two teams that you're looking at right now at this point, I think the St. Louis Cardinals have bypassed the, the Brewers for good. Uh, if you ask me, the, the Cardinals will take this, this central division. Mm. Brewers, uh, who seemed discombobulated here and there and, and just not able to be consistent. Mm, they uh, traded the hater away. That was weird. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, I, I don't know. Uh, in fact, they, <laughs> Taylor Rogers, um, he threw in consecutive games for the first time and on Sunday he gave up a couple home runs. Yep. One of them was to Albert Pujols and guess what? There went the lead. So Second Taylor Rogers was, day for Pujols. yeah, t- Taylor Rogers was the reliever that came back in that heater deal. So it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know anymore with, with the Brewers. I mean, that, that was a curious, curious move. I guess my, my only thought on that one was maybe, maybe there's, there's some personal issues there that they don't want to deal with with Hader. I don't know. I mean, maybe Perhaps. it wasn't baseball related because it, you know, it doesn't seem baseball related, uh, to me. Right. But, you know, when we're looking at this wild card, uh, really if, if, if St. Louis is in the lead, then it's the Brewers and Phillies and Padres all kind of, kind of mm-hmm. competing for those two spots. Right. And the point. Padres are good, but obviously not getting Fernando Tatis Jr. back is um is a big blow for them. So yeah, how about that? They they've lost they've lost uh six out of their last ten games. Mm. And that that news about Tatis testing positive for PEDs, that just has to be demoralizing. I mean they they literally mortgaged their farm. They they they, they said to the Nationals, here, here's every prospect we have. Right. <laughs> give us your best <laughs> give us the best young player in the game, perhaps. They get him, 
you know, with the premise, oh, look, once when you pa- pair him with Tatis uh, in that order, and look, oh, we, we also have Machado and Bell, and that, that seemed like that was going to be their immediate ticket. Right. Now they might be, like, second-guessing themselves over there. Yeah, maybe they might. And we'll see how the their season finishes up. But if I'm not, if I'm the Phillies, Frank, because I have to refresh my memory on the the playoff format. The first, the two best records get buys in the first round, right? Correct. And then so like right now, the Dodgers and Mets would be by. The Cardinals would be like the three seed, and I believe right now the Phillies are in the last wild card spot. So the Phillies Six would seed. go to as the yeah. So the yeah. Phillies would go to the Cardinals. But if they were to flip flop with San Diego and become the fifth seed, they'd have to go to the Atlanta Braves. Correct. I don't want that. I'd rather go go play the Cardinals. So I, if, know, I like them better against the Braves. I don't know, uh, man. I just I think the I think the Braves are showing some holes that I didn't realize were there. I, in fact, I I I appeared on a a podcast with with uh, Ryan Rothstein a couple a couple weeks ago, and I I thought I I had the Braves getting ahead of the Mets. And then they played each other for, I think it was a five game series. And right. the Braves just looked ridiculous. So yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I got this all wrong. Uh, I, I, but, I uh, hear you. I mean, but the, when you compare the, the Braves with the Cardinals right now, I mean, the Braves are seven games better. <laughs> they have won six games in a row. They're a plus 97 run differential as opposed to the Cardinals are plus 79. Uh, there was another thing about the Cardinals. Uh, well, I was going to say they're a below 500 team on the road, except that they wouldn't have to come to Philly in that regard. Right. So there would be two in St. Louis and one in Philly. They're 28 right? and 31 against teams that are above 500. Hmm. And to your point, the, the Braves are 24 and 27 against teams above 500. So they have a losing record as well. The Phillies actually have 29. The Phillies are also below 500. They're 29 and 33, but they have more wins than the Cardinals and the, and the um, Braves against teams who are above uh, 500, which is a little interesting. I don't know. I, I just, you know, the whole division thing, I'd rather avoid the Braves if I could. I'm, I'm looking at the Brewers' schedule, right? So while, while this next stretch, the Phillies have seven against the Reds, the Brewers have seven against the Dodgers. Oh, that's beautiful. Now, they don't have a four-game series against the Mets like the Phillies do. When you turn the calendar into September – they have this double header makeup against the Giants. They've got a couple, a couple, actually they have what four against the, the Cardinals left. They've got a series against the Yankees. They have three against the Mets. Mm. And then of course October they finish with the Marlins and, and D-backs. But I think, I, I think the schedule, if you compare the Phillies and, and Brewers, um, this next little stretch could be something where the Phillies can get some distance there. And I, I'm certainly not, uh, writing off the, the potential for the Phillies to uh, be ahead of the Padres either. All right. I don't know if it's the best thing for them, but you know what? At this point, just, just win. get to the playoffs. <laughs> just get to the playoffs. Right. Now, the Padres The Padres have four against the uh, Nationals coming up uh, starting on Thursday. Uh, they face they face the Giants at the end of the month. And, uh, you know, looking at their schedule in the, uh, the, the last of, this, of the uh, season – uh, they have a few against the Cardinals, few against actually six against the Dodgers. They've got some games against the White Sox to close out the season. So a couple against the Mariners who are really good. So I don't know the, the Padres, uh, and then they close out against the Giants the last few days. So Padres mm. have a pretty tough schedule. The Phillies are going to end up at the uh, end of the season against the the Astros in Houston. Hopefully that's the Houston Astros just setting up their playoff rotation or whatever, or uh, taking a uh, 
taking it easy as they they cruise into the playoffs, perhaps. Um, but but yeah, I mean it's 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 it seems like the again this is all on paper. Phillies have to 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 go out and win the games. The nice thing is, as we said against the Pirates, any four game sweep is hard. The Phillies did it against the Nationals too. Are the Phillies going to step up and do that against some of these other teams? If you can be the team that wins the four game series by sweeping it, that will make the difference over a team that can take two out of three or three out of four. Absolutely. Absolutely. And by the way, before, as we end this, um, one last thing that I believe in with the Phillies that I have not in the past, I believe in these two prospects they got, these pitchers, Painter and Abel. I believe at least one of them is going to be very, very good. Maybe their best developed pitcher since Cole Hamels. They both got moved up to um double A recently. Yep, actually, you read my mind. I, I did want to close with that. So, uh, yeah, both of them headed from Class A Jersey Shore up to double A Reading, mm-hmm. which, by the way, if Harper's on a rehab assignment there, you could have That's Harper, Painter, <laughs> and Abel all together in Reading, which would be really freaking cool just to, to go see. So I always like going to Reading, but that would be an extra special time to go to Reading to see to see that. But um they're probably on innings limits. I don't know what that innings limit is. Uh they, they might only pitch a start or two with Reading, but uh but what do you think of giving them some taste of double A before the season's over? Hey, they deserved it. Look at their numbers. I know um Abel's ERA is a four oh something. Not but he's got like a hundred and something strikeouts in 80 innings. I mean, he's clearly dominating hitters. He's probably, who knows what kind of ballparks he's allowed home runs in. I, you know, I, I haven't seen these guys obviously pitch. I'm just going on box score scouting here and what their pedigrees are. But you can tell when a guy, you know, we, we knew when Mickey Moniak started his career, it wasn't going so well in the minors. These guys are blowing batters or way. I think that the, now is a good time to promote them, see how they finish out. Yeah, Abel, and then possibly Abel, make it to AAA by next year. Abel has struck out 103 and 85 in the third innings, mm-hmm. and Painter has struck out 118 in 75 in the third yeah. innings. So, yeah, that's now I think of, of, the opponent. of the two, Painter was just making the whole league look silly, and it was mm-hmm. like it, it, there was no point in keeping Painter at Class A just to dominate everybody, right? I mean, right. If anything, get him to the next level, and if he's going to face some challenges, good, right? Because yep. you want you want him to face some adversity there for the first time. Uh, Abel has been pretty good. He's he, he had a 12 inning scoreless streak going um, in recent times. So so and plus the strikeouts kind of show you that he's ready too. So they'll get this little bit of taste at the end of the year. They probably start next year there. And who who knows? I mean, you, you can rise through the system. I mean, the way um, you could be you could be uh, 19 years old like like Painter, and if you're if you're that dominant, then yeah, keep moving, keep on moving up. So, um, but it's kind of interesting how even though Painter is two years younger, you got the two of them sort of rising through the system now together. Like that, that in in probably not next year, but the year after that, you could have two pieces in your starting rotation that are homegrown. Yeah. Hey, maybe next year. You never know how things go. Maybe I'll be like David Price and come up to when he did to help the team in the playoff uh, pen and chase, blow guys away. You know. Yeah, that's you never know. Old, old. That's that's, that's definitely your a conversation away. Cardinals did it too with Wainwright, right? I mean, Wainwright. You know, that was that was something they did too. So even with some of the other guys uh, over the years, Lance Lynn, I think, came up as a reliever. You know, just to just to get that uh, experience and, and help in the bullpen. Yeah. So I think the Cardinals also did it with Ankiel and really screwed him up. But still, <laughs> yeah. that's just one. Just good old, one. Good old Rick Ankiel. So they, uh, it's a shame they didn't try to Otani him because maybe if he was if he was excelling in one area uh, when the other wasn't going so well, he might have battled through. But uh, yeah, that's true. But 
Maybe they maybe missed his calling. <laughs> All right. Well, Phillies back in action against the Reds in Cincinnati this week. And we'll check in later to tell you how it all went. Uh, Phillies are in it. If the season ended today, only getting better from here with Harper and Schwarber coming back. This has been the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher. We will catch you next time. <laughs>